I'm Robert Cavuto, and today on Sonic Perspectives, we are speaking with John Angus McDonald of the Trues for the new release of their 2020 album, Wanderer, and to talk to them about their current U.S. tour. Congratulations, killer album, and uh, good to hear you guys are finally out on tour. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, uh, it's nice to be back, uh, back at it after the, the last couple of years. Did you guys ever actually get out? Is this your first outing, or have you guys been out prior to this? It's our first American outing. Okay. In, uh, since, you know, the, since the before time. Uh, but we've been out in Canada. We, we did a bunch of festivals this past summer that things were starting to feel, you know, pretty normal by the summer. Um, but this is our first time crossing the border and, and picking up these shows down here, so it's good to be back. Yeah. Now, tell me about the significance. By the way, the, the album's great. I've been listening to it. I really enjoy it. And so tell me about the significance of the album title, Wanderer, as it perfectly ties a ribbon around these collection of songs about yearning and longing and searching. Well, naming an album is tough. It's like the hardest part of the process for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it, it's our seventh album, right? So we've gone through this a bunch of times. Everybody has their own take on what it should be. And I think the moment you start to turn your sights on a song title, um, it sort of speeds it up a little bit because usually one of them is sort of suggestive of the whole group of songs and, and in the case of the song The Wanderer we thought that had the best ring to it plus I think we were just trying to like manifest our own destiny you know to get back out there on the road and and, and not be cooped up and, and stuck in our homes and home studios and like we all had been you know this album was a baby of the pandemic so we just were, we wanted to manifest uh, what we do best which is to get out on the road and, and play these songs live no that's great you know, the album's been out for a while. Does your perception of the music change after it's been out on the road, after it's been out for a while? And then, of course, when you're out touring in support of it, does it change? Yeah, it does. I, it came out in November of 2021. So, you know, it's a year and change old, uh, which, you know, this day and age might as well be a decade. You yeah. know, things <laughs> move so quick. But um, I think, ultimately, the songs that have the best legs live uh, that that gets revealed, you know, through playing them over and over again. And, uh, you know, naturally a few songs fall away from the set list because they just don't, whatever, they don't have that connectivity. You know, certain mm -hmm. songs can make amazing recordings and not necessarily great live songs. Uh, so that, that's sort of a revelation that has to come organically uh, from just being, being out and doing it. No, I get it. Um, my favorite song, I guess, was... Um Song to Future Me. What a tremendous concept that, that song is. You know, it's, it's everybody should write one in their life. It's like writing your own epitaph to some degree. Uh, tell me about the history of that song, you know? That's, that's mostly written by my brother, mm -hmm. Colin, the singer of the band. I'm the lead guitar player. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's sort of an intimate moment, you know, like uh, almost like a, a, a prayer to yourself to keep yourself on, on, on the right path and on the right track. And, uh, you know, a deeply kind of personal thing you might tell yourself in the dark when nobody else is around, you yeah. know. So we thought, why not put it on a rock record for the whole world to hear? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. You know, turning that sentiment around, um, what musical and career advice would you give to your younger self? Um, you know, I think to pace yourself, you know, I think of our first 10 years as a band as being like, a runaway train moving at breakneck speed and we were I was in my 20s and like we were just along for the ride and we were, we 
were moving fast and breaking things and, and taking a lot of things for granted. And I think if I could whisper one thing in the ear of my of my former self, it would be just to like slow down, pace yourself, and enjoy it. You know, because it's just we we were just I don't want to say reckless, but we certainly were moving fast. Yeah. And a lot of these crazy, amazing things were happening, but we weren't necessarily taking them in, and we, we were just constantly on the move. So, you know, I, I guess that might be the advice. I mean, otherwise, I think, uh, you know, I think we always had our eye on the prize of, like, being a career musicians, of, of doing this for for life, of not making this just something you're going to do before getting on in your real life. So I think we always had that priority straight, and I guess the fact that we're still here doing it is a testament to that. No, I think that's great advice. I think that's that's perfect. That's on point. Um, I've been a fan of your band for a while, and your music always manages to merge rock, pop, a little bit of country, and Americana. Understanding you're from Canada, um, where did all that mixture come from? Probably just stuff that we like to listen to, you know. Um, we've never been, like, strictly a hard rock band, although we do like some hard rock stuff. And, you know, I love ACDC, but I also love Gordon Lightfoot, you know. So it's like, yeah. I think it's just a matter of, like, of, you know, our own little melting pot of influences uh, coming together, and, you know, because we don't, we never set out to have a sound, you know, like, I feel like some bands get together and, like, we're going to be glam rock, or we're going to be heavy metal, or we're going to be, we're going to be Roots Americana, like, we never really sat down and had that conversation, we just sort of like what we like, and, uh, and write songs, so that they come out in this, in that sort of blend that you just described. You know, um, it's it's funny talking to you. You're, you're from Canada, and talking about Americana. Is there a term for like a heartfelt Canadian hard rock blues? Do you guys have a term for that? Not really. But one little note about Americana. It, you know, in, in, as far as modern Americana was pioneered mostly by Canadians. I mean, really, the band might be the quintessential Americana band. <laughs> and, Neil Young, you know, Harvest doing that sort of Americana country rock thing. Yeah, another Canadian guy. So it's just, I, I'm not sure that music has a border necessarily, um, you know, between countries. It's just sort of, uh, again, it's like a fusion of other things, you know, yeah. the fusion of, of Appalachian, you know, folk songs, but also the fusion of like Scotch-Irish folk tales and, and coming together under this sort of rock rebel umbrella, which was sort of, I guess that would be the American part of it. So it's interesting to sort of contemplate how these things all come together in the first place, you know. Uh, and I certainly don't think that much to do with borders. Um, but as far as like a Canadian sound music, that's an interesting thing. Like to me, the most quintessential Canadian rock band is probably the Tragically Hip, which have like a really interesting blend of like visceral, um, like visceral rock and roll, but also sort of like contemplative, poetic lyrics. You know, so I, I think that's the closest thing you might describe as a Canadian sound. I mean, it's a tough thing to try to pin yeah. down, you know. That's interesting. I, I never knew that about Americana. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Do you think you captured your signature sound after experimenting, you know, with your seven albums and perfecting it? Or is it more like a happy accident that you grew into? I think that there's like a through line to the sound because of the fact that me and my brother Colin and Jack have have been making music together since pretty much the late 90s you know mm -hmm. we were all in high school but but like our records started coming out in 2003 and the three of us we've had a few changes on the drum throne but uh we we sort of are the through line and i think as soon as colin starts to sing on something in, in that register of his voice it kind of ties the whole thing together and that kind of is our sound but 
we certainly don't like we don't think of it as a refinement like if anything we're constantly trying to like break out of the box in search of new inspiration new ideas new songs um, and then bringing it back into the fold I guess of what we do but certainly not like I don't think of it as a refinement so much as like we're open to exploration and examination and blowing the whole thing up in search of something new I just think that by the time the three of us you know and and now we're five piece by the time we're all playing it together it just starts to sound like our band yeah you guys have tremendous guitar phrasing on the songs um, in between the melody and the lyrics and the guitar parts um, is that because your brother is singing and playing guitar simultaneously that allows the, the lyrics and the melody to really open up and be heard yeah I suppose so yeah I mean I think the, the whole thing you know about making music is learning how to do less like learning how to be a little more complimentary mm -hmm. The song as a whole, and less less sort of serving your part of the song, um, just sort of trying to, to always serve the bigger picture. Uh, if I understand your your question yeah. correctly, I think that's sort of what we're what we're trying to accomplish with that. You know? Yeah, and you do it you do it extremely well. You're currently out on tour. Um, is there any new songs that you really enjoy playing? Yeah, I mean, we're still playing a whole bunch from that record. You know, probably five or six a night. Um, I think there's certain songs that just take off like a like a jet engine uh, live, which is like Permission and The Wanderer. Those two really got like a visceral quality that, that never let us down, you know. But then I Want to Play, I think it's sort of like the standout track of the record, mm -hmm. uh, given that it was so timely in its topic and, and, and how, it was, how it came to be. And that's become like a real staple of the set as well. Are you guys doing any deep cuts that maybe you haven't done before? From the new one or just from our... Just from, just our from your, your catalog. Yeah, we, we have been, yeah, because, like, you know, we get people that have driven from all over to see us, and, and some familiar faces, you start to, to recognize people when they see me, you know, 50 times or 100 times, which is kind of wild to think about, but, so people will shout out a request, and if, if it's something we feel like we can do without causing too much of a train wreck, we'll do it, so, like, the other night in Boston, we did Making Sunshine from our second record, which we haven't done in years, and last night in Philly, we did a, a B-side called Den of Thieves, and, um, yeah, so we try to like, you know, try to keep that that part of things alive too. Yeah, I think I think fans really want to hear the old stuff too. I know that for all my favorite bands too, I like to hear some of these deep cuts. What's the challenge in dusting some of these older songs off and bringing them back to life? Just what I said, it's like the uh, the possibility of train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like as, as good as muscle memory can be, uh, you know, it lets you down sometimes too. And the other thing about old songs, you know, that we haven't played for 15 or years or something, like, you know, you, you sort of record them one way, then they evolve in a live setting in a different way, then when you go to do them, you're like, wait, are we doing the album version, or are we doing the 2006 version live, or something else, <laughs> so you just got to be on those, and, and uh, you yeah, know, I hope, hope you don't go off the rail. Yeah, I, I've spoken to some of Alice Cooper's guitar players, and it was the same thing, when they're sitting down to, to teach a new member of the band well which one are we doing are we doing the live one are we doing the original one are we doing the remastered yeah, yeah. yeah so that's kind of funny but when do you guys sit down to work on this you doing this at sounds check and giving it a shot or back in the hotel room or you know how does it come about that you want to do the song and then trying to remember it i guess we actually in the case of the two you know the two songs that it's mentioned we didn't even get to rehearse like it was just in the moment on, wow. on stage so uh you know, we're just watching each other's hands, and it is amazing how how much you know muscle memory does come into yeah. play. Where even if you think you don't remember it, once you get 
playing it, you're like, oh yeah, that's how the bridge goes. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, we just, you know, again, our live shows are a combination of like certain things are well rehearsed, but other times, uh, other things are just left open to the moment, and you gotta kind of trust that you know, you'll all land on your feet, kind of thing. Yeah, that's like calling audibles. Who called that one out in the middle of the set? <laughs> No, who called it out? So let's do this one. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, I thought you meant, uh, yeah, sorry, I missed that part. No. Uh, no, it usually comes from the audience. Like, usually it's like, uh, again, you know, somebody will bring a sign or write something on a cardboard sign or, or they'll just shout it out. We sort of seize the moment to sort of shake the setup and do something a little bit different and special for the audience, you know? Oh, that's something fun. that can't happen, uh, you know, if it's written on a set list. Oh, that's fun. I like that. You know, when it's all said and done, what sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, as a, as a rock band? Uh, you know, just, you know, songs that mean something to people. You know, that, that's, that's the sort of game that we're in. I mean, as much as we all love to play live and tour, you know, it's a one-time event, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, you know, the next morning you might wake up feeling great, feeling changed and feeling inspired, but ultimately that just lives on in your memory. Whereas, um, you know, songs are, are forever, really. You know, like many of my absolute favorite bands I've never seen nor will I ever have a chance to see. But they are, but their music, you know, means something to me. It's, it's really important to me. So if we can provide that service to other people, then, then I'd be a happy camper. Oh, that's a great sentiment. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for your time and speaking with me today. I really, I really enjoyed it. It was extremely insightful. So thank you so much, and I wish you the best on tour. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for your time and having me on. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you down the road. Definitely will. Have a great day. Bye-bye.